Yes? Your, your marry pick. Uh-huh. Do you also have sex with the person you marry? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But you get to, like, uh, also live together. Yeah. I mean, that. yeah, that definitely the companionship. Yeah. Well, the way I play it is, like, the marriage is, like, strictly, like, a marriage of convenience. Like, this is, like, strictly for companionship. And then the fuck is, like, yeah, you fuck them and then you never see them again. Never again, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I was just curious. I'm, yeah, because I imagine... I, some, you know, people are torn on that sometimes. Uh, I didn't realize that, yeah, you had to establish rules in that game. <laughs> you know, if... You know, I, I'm sure sex is on the table even in, in my version, but, mm-hmm. you know, primarily... Because there are definitely people that I want to have sex with and then never talk to again. Uh, I would uh, imagine uh, uh, Jay Statham being on that list. <laughs> yeah, or that's too obvious. Tell no Jason one. Jason S. <laughs> Tell no one this happened. <laughs> uh, what if you had to play Fuck Mary Kill with the three main characters of the movie we have for today? Uh, actually, you just spoiler alerted. No. <laughs> well, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back. So what have you watched this week? Uh, outside the channel. Oh, I finally got around to watching uh, Anomalisa. Oh, okay. Which was a really big disappointment. Okay, okay. I was just bummed. I really, I think I wanted to like it. Yeah. Because I love Charlie Kaufman. I really do. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just felt like half-baked. Sure. And kind of even like... I don't know, almost trite in a way. Oh, okay. Like I just, I just did not care for it. Um, we talked about your interest in it. I don't know if I made it onto any of the podcasts, but like while we were sitting yeah, on the couch, we that's did right. talk about it once. And like I mentioned that it was supposed to be a radio play. That's right. Because um, I watched it and I was also really disappointed. And I thought of that while while watching, and I had headphones on. Okay. Uh, and it, I mean, the, the sound design is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see maybe how it would be a radio play. Yeah. Um, although the, you know, Tom Noonan, is that his name? He's the mm-hmm. one who does all the, uh, yeah. that, his voice would be confusing, I think, if mm. he's being the same voice for everybody. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And if, I don't know how you'd write that. You'd have to be like, hello, I'm the bellhop now. Or like, yeah. I don't know how you'd make that clear in a radio play, but, um, yeah. And I imagine, I imagine they had to use, um, puppets or stop motion because of the sex scene yeah because you really couldn't get away with an r rating if those were people in that scene oh yeah yeah and they made and they made it it was really weird having headphones on during that because it was just like i'm right there in the action and i felt comfortable (laughs) with it just immersed in a scene that you didn't want to be immersed in yeah i don't know i mean i love charlie kaufman this one just really disappointed yeah it's like one of the reasons that you know I think people in general like Charlie Kaufman is that, like, his ideas seem to, like, have no sense of gravity. Like, they'll just take off in a direction, and there's just no stopping until the story's over. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't... They don't necessarily seem grounded by earthly rules. Like, even, like, you know, his movies will start out seemingly normal and, like, kind of just slowly break their own rules as the movie goes. Yeah. 
And, like, this never had that. Yeah. Like, there was just none of that happening. And even the, like, big speech moment when it's, like, when you should be feeling something for this character, when he's he's giving a speech at the um, convention, uh, felt like a rehash of Schenectady, New York. It felt like the same... He's, he came to the same conclusion. Okay. And it was just like, I've heard this. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It, and then that, that's what made it feel trite kind of to me. It was sort of like, you've already said this. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I mean, I, like, and no, that's hard um, too. Like when you set the expe- when somebody has made such great stuff, you have high expectations and yeah. it's easier to disappoint. But no, I'm with you. It was could have been better. Just sort of deflated by the whole experience. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's about, that's about all I've gotten around to. How about I you? watched not one but two movies that might make it onto a future podcast oh wow that's a Uh, a real lucrative weekend (laughs) (laughs) one is a film called the guardian it's a william friedkin film from the 80s which is not a high point creatively for william friedkin okay um and it's him sort of making a modern grimm's fairy tale okay it takes place like in modern days but like has a lot of the elements of like old fairy tale folklore, mm-hmm. and it like the movie like a the acting is just the worst. <laughs> uh, and Freakin said like once that he only likes to do like one take per scene. Okay, like he's not one of those like we're gonna do fifty takes until it's perfect. He's like everyone's just all amped up for the first scene, and that's always the one that I always went with anyway. So now I just don't do it. I'm like it shows here. Like, <laughs> it's like people are like, Should've... do I have this line down right? <laughs> Uh, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like he must not like storyboards either. Because <laughs> this really just kind of like, it would just jump ahead. I'm like, I don't know if they really thought the narrative should do this. But even <laughs> even in his darkest days, William Friedkin can direct the hell out of an action scene. Like, mm. there's a bike crash that like made me gasp. And there is a arboreal violence like action scene <laughs> that is so good all right just amazing there's a couple arboreal related violent acts in this that are pretty amazing okay uh the other uh one that i watched was called band of the hand Okay. Uh, I haven't heard of this either. It's in the, it's from the mid-80s. It was produced by Michael Mann around the same time he was producing Miami Vice. Okay. And it's just like about a, like a group of teenagers who've committed crimes so heinous that they were tried as adults. And they somehow break out of jail together. And this Native American Vietnam vet, like, retrains them Rambo style. Oh, my gosh. And then they, like, wreak havoc on, like, the drug-dealing crony capitalist, like, warlord in their hometown. Yeah, sounds sounds solid. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real solid. It was real solid. Uh, yeah, so there, I just, I saw both those, like, on Saturday. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Wow, and that's from, is that from the 80s? Yeah, like, I'm going to say, like, I don't remember the year right off the bat, but I'm going to say, like, 86, so prime 80s culture years. I did a lot of thinking about the 80s recently, film-wise, and just how, man, they're just, it was not a great (laughs) decade for for I mean, really for art. (laughs) Yeah. 
It, it wasn't. You got a few outliers, but for the most part, it would just. Yeah, it's like there's like when you think of like music from the '80s, like a you have the whole like hair metal scene, yeah, which really even like when I like try and keep like a wide net for for this type of music and like try and find something to appreciate in like all genres, like that's one where like I have a lot of trouble defending or mm. finding something worthwhile in there. I like some Twisted Sister. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. a thing, though. Uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the lead singer? D. Snyder. Snyder uh, filmed a horror movie in Colorado Springs, where I grew up, oh. called Strangeland. Oh. And he actually plays the villain, I think. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it was just fun. I mean, we all knew it was happening when he was filming it, too, because sure. he did it in the 90s, and we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's awesome. And then watching it is kind of fun, because there's, like, scenes, you're like, oh, man, that's downtown. And then, like... <laughs> It's like so, when I watch Battle in Seattle, and there's like a couple exterior shots at the beginning that are Seattle, and then the rest of them like, this isn't my city. Yeah. I think it must be really expensive to film here, yeah. because a lot of times if you have something set in the Pacific Northwest, I feel like they film some establishing shots here, yeah. pay the taxes on that, yeah. and then everything else is in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I saw that. I noticed that in 5050. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. There's like... Because uh, it's supposed to take place in Seattle. Yeah. But there's a there's a scene near the beginning of the movie where Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jagor, as I like to Jay call Gore, him, yeah. uh, is crossing the street, and you can definitely tell that the walk sign is not an American walk oh, sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's the weird alien-looking, more organic-looking <laughs> creature. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. But I can imagine. Yeah, it's Canadian for sure. Sure. <laughs> so, uh... Do you want to introduce this movie, or... Yeah, I'm ready to jump in. All right, let's... Well, um, this week I chose... Should we introduce ourselves? Oh, shit. We didn't do that. No. Well, this is X-rated. I, <laughs> I hope that you can move a, a segment of audio. <laughs> so we're X-rated. Yeah. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon, and we talk about movies. We dated very briefly a long, long time ago. Uh, and those halcyon days, <laughs> fate brought us back together. And uh, here we are, yakking your ear off. <laughs> your ear, not your ear. Good segue there. Uh, broadcast news. Yes. 87. <laughs> Shit. Six or seven. I think it's seven. Uh, James L. Brooks. I have a laptop at my feet, but I will not touch it. <laughs> I brought my iPad. I don't think it's even turned on. Uh, James L. Brooks, famous. He directed and wrote this. Famous producer, writer, director. He's like. He's mostly known for television. Yeah. Uh, his fingers and everything. Yeah, like he came to prominence in the 70s because he directed like the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm -hmm. a couple other things. Wrote a couple episodes of it too. Okay. Uh, directed or produced The Simpsons. That's definitely the big one. Yeah. This was a Gracie film production. Which oh. I know that like did, does The Simpsons and did The that was Critic. His, that was his production company. Yeah. Yeah. He um, also was. Uh, I think Cheers was his as well. I don't know about that one. Okay. But. We'll it's appropriate it that he did The Critic now that I think about it, because we're yeah. basically being critics here, kind yeah. of. Uh, he also did a movie, or a show, in the late 70s, 
or early 70s, I can't remember now, called Room 222, which was like a great example, a good example of the comedy drama. Oh, okay. Um, and it's kind of a like, uh, what is it, like a proto comedy drama, one of the first to really okay. get their teeth into it, uh, at least according to Wikipedia. Okay. And um, I feel like that's him in a nutshell, in a way. He's, he's really dramedy. solid at dramedy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he, and this movie, is a great example of that, I feel. It really just keeps walking that line. Um, I, I feel like this movie is probably one of Aaron Sorkin's favorites. Oh, okay. Um, and he, Aaron Sorkin's degree is in musical theater, mm. and he says that there's only, like, when you learn to write in, like, for, like, stage, like, in that community, he says there's only two genres, musical and non-musical. Oh, wow. Uh, so, like, comedy and drama don't have this, like, hard line between them. Mm-hmm. Then it's, like, you frequently, ma- like, mix and match and, like, make them one, you know, homogenous unit. Yeah, and if you can play them off of each other, they, like, amplify each other. Yeah, yeah. And, like, this did it really well because it's, like, you know, whenever Holly Hunter, in her breakout role, uh, whenever she would say about cry, Holly. it's sort of funny. yeah. He like, does it while the credits are still showing at the yeah. very beginning. Like, her first big cry is in the first three minutes of the movie <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, when she's an adult. Yeah, oh, so. I think it's like the credits have, like, just ended or maybe they paused. Because I don't think they're, like, the movie's kind of rushing, or it's not rushing, but it's at a brisk pace. And then it's like she hangs up the phone and unplugs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a good cry. <laughs> and, yeah, she sits there and there's, like, 45 seconds where it's, like, camera doesn't move. <laughs> she's just sitting there. And I feel like there's no, like, credits rolling over this scene. Right, right, right. So I think it was, like, right as, like, the last credit ran, they're like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I remember the first time I... I've actually... Uh, well, sh- I should say I've seen this movie several times now, but, yeah. like, uh, I remember seeing it the first time and thinking, like, what, what's going on? <laughs> it's um, weird. Yeah, th- I would say that, you know, this is sort of different in our, our movies so far and that this is one that we both mutually love quite a bit mm-hmm. um in fact i took too much notes i actually just stopped taking notes after a while and i'm like i'll figure something to talk yeah. about like there's just too much to talk about with this movie so in the opening sequence we're introduced to the three main characters as children like they live right. their own like different lives a little prologue of sorts yeah like introducing us to like their main what their main struggles are going to be like their strengths and their weaknesses really mm-hmm. uh you know you have william hurt as a kid and it's like He's a cute little kid, but he's, you know, he's just dumb, smart. Despite, <laughs> despite, like, trying, but, yeah, he's just not smart. Uh, you get, you know, you got uh, Albert Brooks. Brooks, who's, you know, smart to a fault mm-hmm. and, like, can't help himself. And craves uh, approval. Yeah. Well, I'll say recognition. That, yeah, recognition. That's a yeah, better word, yeah. Definitely. Um, and then Holly Hunter is... You know, obsessively uh, explaining why she's not an obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I noticed that the captions, as they say, like future news reporter, future television producer, like they didn't come in at the same time in each se- sequence. That's right. Yeah. Each one was like timed. I thought like for hilarity. Mm-hmm. Like each one came in at like a comic moment, not for uh, what's the word. Not like balance or symmetry. Right. Like they weren't timed to be like symmetrical in each, like where they appear at the very beginning or the very end. It was like when 
Will this caption be funniest? <laughs> uh-huh. That's where we're putting that. They probably tried a few times. To yeah. See, you know. um, and it's a great start because you already, like, once you see them as adults, you already have an idea. Like, mm-hmm. they're really able to encapsulate who these characters are in those, like, one, two minute, you know, scenes for them. And yeah. it's like, and then it's exciting because it's then, the rest of the movie is basically like, let's throw those three yeah. personalities in a, in a mixing bowl and see what happens, you know? Yes. And I love that about this movie. Um, and it really, it, like, it's sort of weird watching this because, like, I, you know, I, I think you and I both kind of grew up in a time where, you know, oh my god, parents still kind of grew up where you watch the evening news. Yeah, definitely. And, like, I don't know anyone who watches the evening news anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents, Which, but they're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my parents probably too, but, like, uh, it, it, it sort of is, like... A snapshot in a day where, like, the news, like, unless you worked in the industry, the news ended at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Like, there was no more news in the day after mm. 6. Uh, you might have local news, but they're either going to cover something local yeah. or the stuff that's already been covered yeah. in world news. So uh, Yeah, that might be, like, the, yeah, the late news or something like that. But, yeah, really, like, the big news anchors, like, reported at, like, 6. Totally, yeah. Uh, and it's also, like, back when maintaining, like, trust and objectivity in news was like paramount to everything else exactly yeah like there's even that scene where like when william hurt is sort of like flying by the seat of his pants on his like his first anchoring gig and he has to like improvise for a couple seconds and he says so i think we're gonna be okay yeah and the producer's like who cares what you think yeah (laughs) that's not why we're tuning in yeah or why people watch the news um and i think that that's uh and i hate to like say that this movie has legs or is like I'm viewing it with a different lens these days yeah. but it definitely like that scene at the beginning when she's at uh, when she's giving her speech at oh, the convention yeah. and starts comparing how like we have to keep the integrity of news um, and reporting because you know like it, that's all there is with news no, news is nothing without its integrity you know yeah. is basically her, her point and it's like Everyone's walking out as she's... Yeah, and it just bums me out because with everything that's happened in the past few months, with fake news coming and turning into a thing, it's just like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) And it's true, though. I mean, there was, like... I still think that this is happening today, and this is something that just kind of bothered me as I was watching it this time. It's like, there are people who dedicate their life to doing this junk. You know, it's like finding... Really trying to find the truth. Yeah. And telling people about it, you know? Like, that's one of our foundational principles as as a country. Yeah. And so it was like just hard to see something written in the mid 80s yeah already already seeing that coming down the pike and the way that they they repeatedly talk about how like you know the star of you know the six o'clock news is the news it's not the anchor necessarily right and you know i think about you know there are you know anchors out there you know like rachel maddow is very smart Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that she's not but she definitely kind of makes it about her. Like, she's not a journalist. She's, like, an op-ed. She's a know? personality. Yeah. yeah. As well as... I mean, John Oliver's another great example yeah. of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, these aren't, like, necessarily, like, news anchors. These are definitely, like, you know, opinions. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, but, like, with John Oliver, it doesn't bother me so much because it's, like, very clearly, like, comedy about current events. yeah. Where, like, with Rachel Maddow, it's, like, she has, like, a news program. I guess she's on MSNBC, too. So. yeah. Uh, or the entirety of Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what I mean. It's like, uh, I can't believe we have to fight this. Or yeah. like anybody who's trying to be 
an, an you know a journalist with integrity would have to battle with people who aren't mm-hmm. you know it's just it was just really sad like when that when she was showing that scene or when when she was giving that speech at the at the in the beginning and she was showing the scene the the, the domino, the domino one and everyone's like yay <laughs> I, that was '80s clickbait. Yeah, I cried. I was I was oh. like really emotional <laughs> about it. Uh, you cried. I was only like five times of the movie. Well, see, that's one of the reasons I wanted to watch this movie. It has some real built-in cry moments for okay. me. Um, and um, I mean, one of which is is a pretty famous scene, and it's a minute long, which is when there um, there's a event that happens in the Middle East where. Uh, a Libyan plane bombs uh, uh, the, something. The, uh, like Italian embassy or something like that. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. American and, blah, blah. So they, they have to do a report, like, we have to go live, right? And um, the main producer guy picks uh, the up-and-comer William Hurt's character, whose name is Tom, yeah. to be the anchor instead of uh, Albert Brooks's character. His name is Aaron. And yeah. Holly Hunter has a fit. Yeah. And so she takes him outside. She's like, I need to talk to you. She's like, I don't think that he's the right guy for you. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I disagree with you. And she's like, no, you have to do this. And he's like, well, it must be nice to be to always be right. And she says, no, it's awful. Yeah, the her delivery on that, like, <sighs> where it's like the breath is like just kind of like deflating out of her. Like, yeah. no, it's awful. It must be nice to always believe you know better. To always think you're the smartest person in the room. No, it's awful. I really, I had to, I paused the movie today when I was watching and had my, my boohoo, and then I, I was like, I'm going to think about this a little bit, because, like, why is that so affecting? And it's, uh, I think part of it is because she's really, she has a case. Like, yeah. she's speaking from a, a, an, a voice of integrity and an experience, and to have it be, like, thrown back at her is like, oh, you're such a smarty pants, aren't you? It's like, yeah. that's not even the point, you know? Like Yeah, he doesn't have a counter-argument. He's just like, <clears throat> that's what you think. Yeah. Like, Yeah. It, oh. Yeah, he totally just, like, talks down to her because he doesn't have, like, a reasonable conversation. He's just like, nope, you're wrong. Yeah. And he's, like, insulting her, yeah. or in, in a way, you know? Yeah. I and... mean, he's belittling, like, her very, like, it's an opinion, but it's, like, a very educated... Like, she didn't, like, you know, just make up this opinion or is doing it for ratings or because, you know, he's a mm. nice guy. She's doing it because he thinks that he's the best for the job. Yeah. She's being, you know, meritocritous about it. <laughs> He's just like, no, we want this guy that looks like an anchor to do it. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. And it's also, it is frustrating to sometimes feel like you're the smartest person in the room and no one's listening to you. I'm not going to say I felt that. Yes, I will. But, um, fuck. And it feels terrible. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you do step into a room and I'm like, I'm the smartest person here and that's awesome, then you need to question your life a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> There's the scene where it's like Tom and what's Holly Hunter's character's name? Uh, Jane. Jane. Uh, Tom and Jane, like, they go back to Holly Hunter's apartment and she's, like, trying to, like, or no, maybe it wasn't even an apartment. Maybe it, it was a hotel room. Hotel room. Yeah. Uh, and she's trying to be, like, flirty and fun and it's not working it's for her. <laughs> she just does not know how to, like, seal the deal. <laughs> um, which, at the same time, I'm like, I think I flirt like Holly Hunter. <laughs> Uh, she says, I'm beginning to repel people I'm trying to <laughs> seduce. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that is a great line. Not um, that way. <laughs> but it, it, Tom is like asking, he's like, I don't understand the news that I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, and she kind of like 
blows up at him. She's like, and she goes, what do you want? Like permission to be fake? Yeah. And I love that line. Like, I feel like, and I'm just as guilty. Like I'll go up to smarter people and be like, oh, I messed up. And I just want them to say that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and like the way that she was like, no, that's not okay. Get better. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and then he like leaves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he says, I hated the way you talked to me just now and yeah. not just because you were right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that's the thing I really I mean these are the three main characters we haven't even talked about Albert Brooks's character yet really but yeah. they're really well rounded I would yeah. say no, th- like right off the bat too you know they don't feel two dimensional at all no they they don't but the weird thing is that they don't really change that much either throughout the film no I mean in the last scene when Holly Hunter's getting in the cab it's like you know, throughout the movie, there's this running gag, I guess. Yeah. Uh, she'll get in a cab and give the cab driver very explicit, specific directions. Yeah. And at the end, when she's, like, all heartbroken, she hops in the cab and she goes, I'm going to DuPont Circle, take... And then she sighs and goes, go whichever way you want. And then she sighs again and goes, but Washington Boulevard's quicker. Yeah. <laughs> like, Built-in cry moment number two. <laughs> right there. And, yeah, because it's... I mean, they don't change. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's these three strong personalities, and they stay that way. But we just, like, the the joy of this movie comes from seeing them interact and try to change and try to come together in, you know, I mean, I would say ways. that Albert Brooks's character tried to, like, make the biggest leap. Right. Like, when he got, like, the weekend anchoring position, and it was going to be, like, his, like, oh, my God, I can, like, stay in the industry... And, like, I can't even think of more things that could have gone wrong for him. (laughs) Like, I suppose he could have burst into flames. But I I forgot about this line. It was at the very end of that whole sequence, and he's talking about some, like, some explosion or something that happens in some country, and he goes, and 22 people are dead. And then they cut to commercial, and he goes, I wish I were one of them. (laughs) 120 people were reported injured, at least 22 people dead. I wish I were one of them. Yeah, all the, like, the producers are like, oh man, Nixon never sweat this much. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, yeah, and like realistically, like he's only like reading the news for like five minutes. <laughs> At a time, and then they cut to the reporter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just everything goes wrong for that poor guy. He's just uh, not meant for that part, that role, you know? He's like, yeah. he wants... It's funny, like I, I was trying to like make a sort of a diagram of everybody's kind of motivations a little bit. And with him, it was like, he he wants to always have truth and quality, but he wants recognition. And like, there's an ego element to him that Holly Hunter doesn't necessarily have. Yeah. Because she, or Jane wants like pure truth and quality for quality's sake, but she's okay with just being in the background and letting that happen. And yeah, uh, so in the the very beginning, and I want to talk about Jack Nicholson's role in this too. Oh yeah. Um, Uncredited, which is fun. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, in the beginning, it's like they rush to get that like segment about like the returning vet home, right? And uh, and Jack Nicholson's the big New York anchor, uh, and he smiles and he likes it. And everyone's like, "Oh, he was really pleased with that segment." Smiled, <laughs> yeah. And like he calls, you know, they're in the Washington office. He calls the Washington office, and she's oh. really eager oh. to like share the credits. Yeah, like she's getting all the praise, and she's like, "Oh well." Uh, Aaron, you know, he really, he was up in front of the camera. He was doing most of it. And he's just like, well, later. <laughs> and hangs up. Yeah. Uh, 
And it's like, yeah, like Aaron wanted that like little piece of recognition and Holly Hunter didn't, she appreciated it, but she didn't, she wasn't striving yeah. for that. Well, he, she tries to, she's like to say, well, you know, Aaron was there. He was doing just, he deserves to hear this too. Yeah. And he's, and he just says, well, uh, you're always trying to give off the credit. Yeah. And, she, and then she has one of those break moments almost again. And she says, uh, she says, no, I'm not trying to give it away. He deserves it. You know, yeah. like. It's almost like almost like not being taken seriously a yeah. little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but I love that because, and right after that, uh, she lies to she hangs up and then she lies and says, "Oh, oh he has to read, read over some, some coffee." coffee. And yeah. then we see him on the video screen, He's just, just like, like nah, looking around. Do do do. And then that follows right up with um, him leaning into her and saying, please say something. Yeah. Please, please laugh as soon as I walk away so that people don't think that I'm dying inside. <laughs> and then she laughs and, you know, Joan Cusack's like, what'd he say? What'd he say? And she's like, I'll, I'll never, never tell. tell. And I think that's, a, and that was a theme I noticed in this movie that I haven't noticed before is that there's a lot of times where for people who are so interested in the truth, mm-hmm. they, they do sometimes lie to each other yeah. to, to save feelings. I just love, I, yeah, I just loved how they, how there's, it's really ambiguous, this movie. Like, you know, nobody's really a main character. It feels like there's three main characters in my book. And if you wanted to make the biggest argument for a main character, you'd probably do Holly Hunter, I suppose, just because she's kind of in the middle of this quote-unquote love triangle. But she's last credited of the three, like... Yeah. Well, she was new, like, credit. yeah, apparently yeah. before this, the only other thing she'd done was um, Raising Arizona. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, here's fun facts. Fun fact corner. Uh, she lived with Frances McDormand in the early 80s in New York. Really? Yeah, and that's why she has a voice cameo in Blood Simple. She's, oh, really? She does a voice uh, voice message on a message machine. Um, and then they did Raising Arizona, and then the rest is history. Um, I'm probably going to be proven wrong, but if I remember correctly, she has a scene in the movie The Burning, which was... Uh, Wait. Is it a horror movie from... Yeah. The, yes, they, I mentioned that too. I just didn't write that one down. Uh, I don't think she has a speaking part in it. Okay. Like, I think she's like uncredited extra. <laughs> but it's like, you can tell it's her. Like, she did, like, from like 81 to 87, like, she didn't age a day. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, that movie also has Jason Alexander in it. Wow. He shows his butt. Oh, no! <laughs> Which really, like... That's the most memorable part of that movie. <laughs> uh, in a good way? No. Okay. That's uh, kind of what I imagined. And but... Fisher Stevens is in that movie, whose name you won't recognize, but if you look up his picture, you'll be like, I know that guy. Oh, uh, okay. One of those. Yeah. Classic that guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Holly Hunter, like, she's in, like, the corner of the frame in, like, three scenes. <laughs> uh, good to know. So... Have you seen the alternate ending to this movie? No. So, I guess after the movie was released, because the movie ends on sort of an ambiguous note, Uh people were clamoring for, like, a little bit of closure. Okay. So, they filmed an alternate ending. Oh. I mean, they used test audiences that, uh, than what is in the movie itself. So, wait, the, the ending... The epilogue ending where um, uh, Tom's like the main anchor and everything, they, that was ambiguous for, too ambiguous for people? Well, I guess the test audiences wanted Holly Hunter, Jane, to end up with one of the guys. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that 
Ugh, it's really <laughs> frustrating to me. So they f- they did film an alternate ending where Holly Hunter is in the cab mm-hmm. leaving the airport, and as it's driving away, Tom jumps back in. No, <laughs> no, really? Yeah, and they have a big fight in the back of the cab. Okay, so they don't end up together. It's still ambiguous. Like, they don't say... It's not like he jumps in and be like, will you marry me? Yeah. It's like, yes! <laughs> uh, but uh, I watched it last night, and it came with commentary from James L. Brooks, uh-huh. and he said that he hadn't watched it since it was, like, on the dailies of, like, the actual production, so uh-huh. it has been 30 years since he had seen the scene. Uh, so, like, he introduced he's like, I'm gonna watch it right now, and then when it's done, I'm gonna, like, tell you what I think. <laughs> Uh, and he said, he, it's, he, he mentioned things that, like, I don't think I would have been able to tell. He's like, well, A, like, the performances were just so good, like, all around in this movie, and, like, they really brought it for this, like, extra scene. He's like, Mm -hmm. but, like, they also improvised a lot in this scene. Oh. Like, there was a lot of stuff, because he shot the film in sequence. Really? With the intention of deciding, like, which guy she ends up with at the end of the movie like oh. once the characters had been established and like the actors had sort of worked in like their own like personality into mm-hmm. it and like yeah his idea was that he was going to make that decision at the end of filming oh wow uh but when he actually did he couldn't he still couldn't decide which is why he ended it the way that he did mm-hmm. uh but yeah i guess test audiences were like we want her to get with one of them so he did film like an alternate scene and it's pretty good Oh, really? It, okay, it, well, like, that makes me feel better. It's not like the word... It's not like it, it wraps everything up in, like, a nice little bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in some ways, it's a little more satisfying than the real ending, but I think I still like the real ending more. Yeah. Uh, just because I feel like it's a little bit more realistic. Yeah, and it's a heartbreaking note to end the, like, present-day part mm-hmm. of the film, you know? Um, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit for a minute if we can about the um two versions of this that you have in their descriptions oh yeah yeah <laughs> because i watched the trailer for this after watching the movie and they they had no idea how to market this i mean <laughs> it was like it's a love triangle kind of kind but of like there aren't enough scenes of like i love you kiss me i love you kiss me you know yeah. to like make the trailer work the trailer's terrible i honestly i if I had seen the trailer, I would say this movie looks terrible. <laughs> uh, so one, you have like the IMDb description. Take two rival TV reporters, one handsome, one talented, both male. Add one producer, female. Mix well and watch the sparks oh my fly. God. <laughs> like it's just oh, that's so awful. It doesn't do any justice to the film. It sounds just like the worst, like. Ripped out of the playbooks of the worst Hollywood hacks. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have, like, Criterion, who, let's see. This caustic look inside the Washington news media stars Holly Hunter in her breakout role as a feisty television producer torn between an ambitious yet dim anchorman, William Hurt, and her closest confidant, a cynical veteran reporter, Albert Brooks. Uh, Brooks's witty, gently prophetic film is a captivating transmission from an era in which ideas on relationships and media were rapidly changing. 
Like that's more accurate. <laughs> yeah. There we go. That's what the movie <laughs> is actually about. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, it's it's frustrating too because it's like there. It's assumed if you have three leads, one's a woman with two men. Yeah, that she has to decide. You know, yeah. like I hate that. That's the paradigm here. You know. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it really, because like she doesn't really have to decide. Like she makes up her mind like pretty early on. Yeah. Like you know, and even Aaron's then, it's like not her guy. Yeah, and she, and, it's, and even then, it's just sort of like she doesn't even like him that much she's like she's turned on by him but she's more turned on by her job you know yeah like that's definitely. that's the thing is like all three of these people aren't really in like romantic situations you know like they're yeah. they're, they're more interested in their careers and they have a passion for news not really for each other yeah so like saying the sparks fly it's just <laughs> there are no sparks yeah cause, i mean this is, you know, romance, and there is comedy to it, but, like, to just pin it down as, like, this is, like, a workplace farce, yeah. like... or a romantic comedy. Yeah, like, really kind of, like, belittles what the film is. Yeah. But I didn't... I don't, oh, I did watch the trailer. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I thought it was gonna be, like, Holly Hunter <laughs> hates her job. And <laughs> 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 she blows some hair out of her face. <laughs> yeah, like I thought it was gonna be like one of those, and like yeah, it, but yeah, you're right. They didn't know how to market it. Like, I mean, it's tough, but it's like if you just market it as the ambiguous story of three passionate people getting together who work in a newsroom, then it's like I don't know if I see that trailer. But... <laughs> Maybe I need to make this trailer for the movie. For the movie, a trailer I feel really fits this movie. Yeah, because um, like the movie doesn't feel like it would be. A hard sell. It, I don't right. feel like you'd have to like shove people into the theater or like force them in. Like I feel like if people see some of the good parts, like they're gonna be yeah interested in the rest of the movie. Uh, but at the same time, I can kind of see how like yeah, coming up with like a trailer that really kind of captures the feel of it might be a little difficult. Mm -hmm. But I would just do like show part of the scene of her as a kid, mm -hmm. and then show like cut to her as an adult. Or maybe, yeah. like, do the voiceover of her as a kid and then show her as an adult. And then do it for all three. And then, I don't know, find one scene that crystallizes the three of them interacting. Throw that on and then be like, broadcast news. <laughs> In theaters, this whatever. You should whatever. be an editor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I noticed that, if I was paying attention correctly, uh, Tom, William Hurt, mm -hmm. and Aaron, Albert Brooks... Mm -hmm. Didn't they shared screen time, but they weren't alone on the screen together until Not over an hour into the movie. Yeah, like it wasn't until uh, Aaron was pressing him about like how many cabinet members there are and right. stuff like that. Um, that was their first scene alone. Yeah, which you know, for a movie that has you know three starring roles, like you'd think they would have been alone in a room. I mean, a little bit, like, as they're, like, walking through the halls and stuff like that, it might just be the two of them talking, but, like, mm -hmm. that was the first time where, like, they didn't have to be, like, civil, like, there wasn't people watching them. Right. Um, which, it's like, Holly Hunter had had plenty of time with both of them alone for, like, extended scenes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but the two of them had, like, never been... But, at the same time, like, then it, like, turns around, and... Uh, Tom is like helping Aaron like look more anchorman. -ish. Indeed, yeah. Like, 
ten minutes later. I read, yeah, I read a thing that um, James L. Brooks was was trying to kind of give them all equal weight, so that as a viewer you could just kind of latch on to whoever you wanted to follow. Sure. And um, I think what I like about that technique is that I kind of I kind of latch on to all three of them. I, I see myself in all of those roles in, in you know to less extent to some more or less extent to others you know what i'm trying to say yeah um but um it's that's just nice to be able to to not have like this is the person you need to follow this sure. is our hero sure or whatever like it's just it's just refreshing you know like i don't need all my movies to be this way yeah but once in a while i don't want to have to be told you know here's the main character and yeah make sure you care about them because this is the person you should be following you know what i mean yeah, and it, it kind of makes it so that you sympathize with who you want to sympathize with then. Yeah. Uh, instead of just the movie being like, here's this person, sympathize with them. Like, yeah. It sort of like lets you make the decision for yourself. It gives credit to the viewer. Yeah. Which is, which is always nice because, you know, I'm I'm an intelligent human being. Sometimes I'm the smartest person in the room. <laughs> so... When it's just you and the dog and the cat. <laughs> when I'm all alone. <laughs> uh, Why well, not even the dog and the cat? <laughs> God, but I wouldn't want to marry... Yeah. She seems like a real pill. Yeah, she seems like she'd be a lot to handle. <laughs> I don't know. See, I'd marry Tom. He seems like he's easy enough to get along with. Okay. You know, and he's successful anchorman. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Rolling you know. in the dough. He says he's making tons of money. And well, that was yeah. at the beginning of the movie. I mean, if you stuck with him, uh, you'd be in D.C. to begin with, then you'd be in London, and then you'd be going back to New York. Yeah. So... You know, I'll deal with that. <laughs> and he's not dumb, dumb. I mean, like, he he's emotionally uh, intelligent. Yeah, no, I mean, he's charming. He just, you know, can't remember facts. Doesn't know how many cabinet members there are. Yeah. That's um, okay. We can talk about other things. <laughs> uh, for, so I would, yeah, I would marry Tom. Mm-hmm. Or not, yeah. Because the way that I play it, it's purely a, a marriage of, of convenience. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so there'd be no funny business. He'd have to get some mistress. <laughs> I'd just be the well-kept man. Fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's always like, it's sort of shocking to me because like William Hurt was supposed to be this like, sort of like heartthrob, like adult contemporary heartthrob in the 80s. And like, I'm just blind to it. I don't like, get it really either. You, it, if no one told me that, I would have never figured it out <laughs> for myself. Well, it makes me wonder, I sh- maybe we should go back and check out some of his earlier stuff, because, uh, I mean, I've seen Altered States, Yeah. And but I haven't seen, you know, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Which is actually, like, his gay movie. Oh, well. Like, he's, like, trapped in a jail cell with Raul Julia. Oh, right. Who's, like, really fey, and he doesn't respect that at all, and, like, they kind of, like, grow to respect one another, and they have, like, s- respects? Like, respect sex. <laughs> That's a hashtag if I ever heard one. <laughs> uh, 
Like, the movie's good, but yeah, like, once again, if if someone hadn't told me that William Hurt is attractive, I never would have figured it out for myself. Yeah. Same here. Um, Not that he's, like, unattractive. I don't want to say that, like, he's, like, some, like, fugly, <laughs> you know, troglodyte. You just wouldn't think of him as a sex symbol. Is troglodyte a PC charm? I don't know. We're going to offend somebody. I mean... <laughs> I'm sure there are, if anybody's listening, we're going to have some offended people. But thankfully, it's mostly just close friends and family. (laughs) Oh, we've had some feedback. We had (laughs) some positive feedback uh, pertaining, uh, one, to our amateur porn discussion. (laughs) Uh, But two, uh, got the most positive feedback. (laughs) From our discussion about redheads in Hollywood cinema, mm-hmm. um, a redheaded friend of mine said that it was it, he was glad that that you know people were finally broaching the subject <laughs> uh, in a mainstream. We've been form. quiet all these years. <laughs> no longer <laughs> uh, the silence ends today. <laughs> um, and then another friend of mine pointed out that. Eric Stoltz is a redhead of some leading man fame. He was indeed. in Mask. Indeed. Uh, but that he was originally supposed to be in Back to the Future, and they shot it for about a week or two, and decided they did not like him, <laughs> and replaced him with a brunette. So there's, I can see them watching the dailies and be like, you know, there's just something about him I don't like. I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> mm, let's go with Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there. It's there. You just have to look for it. Yeah. I thought of one, actually, another one. Is, uh, most recently, uh, The Force Awakens. Our um, basically Hitler leader, uh, played by the gentleman who's in Ex Machina and a bunch of other films. Like oh, I want his name's something funny. It's like Dom Hall or something. Yeah. Who's also in The Revenant. I sure. can't his name. But, um, yeah, Redhead. Yeah, make, make he, him the bad guy. He, what was he in Force Awakens? He was basically like the uh, Tarkin character because you know there's kind of like revamped. Episode oh four. yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. And he's still around. I think he made it till the end of. The, I think he lived through the movie. I see on IMDb that he will be in Episode Eight. Well, so. there you go. He lived. At least they didn't kill him. Yeah. Hollywood. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up again, guys. Thanks for having my back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, follow us on Twitter, at X-Rated Movies. Uh, like us on Facebook. Rated Rated X X Movies. Uh, because Facebook has weird things about their words. Yeah, X. X. (laughs) Um. And, you know. Talk to us. Rate, review, subscribe. It's on iTunes. Uh, I'll get it on other services. I too. haven't had to make one Hitler comparison yet, uh, and I'm really kind of sad. So, you know, disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, disagree with both of us. Or continue pointing out Hollywood's problem with redheads. Yeah. Yeah, we could use some more help there. It's got to be more than Eric Stoltz and Don Hall, John Gleason. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Eight <laughs> effort there. <laughs> Donald Johnson's my uh, adult <laughs> film star. <laughs> well, bye. <laughs>
Oh wait, we don't, what are we gonna watch next week? God! Oh, wow, we're really out of sync this oh, week. This is the a... fame has gone to our heads. We need a manager. We're trying a non-linear narrative this time. Uh. <laughs> so next week, uh, because we're closing in on the holidays, I'm gonna watch a, a perennial favorite. Okay. Um. Return of the Living Dead. Oh, good. Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I flirted with wanting to make this the first movie we watched. Oh, okay. Just because I felt like it was so important for you to see. <laughs> um, it's one of those movies like Phantom of the Paradise that I just assumed that you had already seen it. Uh, no. So, like, I didn't even, like, think to put it on a list. Um, I'm excited. One of the perils of this is, like, sometimes, like, you know, when we think of these, like, challenges, we get too obscure. That's true. And we'll sort of miss some, you know, low-hanging fruit that, like, we just haven't gotten around to yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'll talk about why I watch this every Christmas uh, in the next episode. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, Return of the Living Dead. Can't wait. I can't wait either. Can't wait either.